Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon on a Thursday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. Trent Condon, Ken Miller talking local sports for the next couple of hours, and we appreciate you uh, spending some of your morning here with us. BMW Des Moines guest list looks like this here today. We were going to have Wade Looking Bill on to talk about the Sweet 16. Well, we can't do that, uh, but we're going to recap the season, uh, what it was for the Hawks look uh, forward to next year with our friend Wade Looking Bill. Uh, that'll come up at about 10.25. The Iowa Wild are finally back in town. Boy, by the way, Minnesota Wild, 4.30 puck drop yesterday. Yeah, I caught the uh, the you end did. of the ball, uh, the end of the ice time, but I... And I looked, is this a replay? No. And I looked, brought up my app and looked at the score. And yeah, it was a live score going on. And kind of hair on fire to hold on for the victory. Before Any justification did you hear, see? Uh, as far as what? The, Why they started well, they, at that time? Um, NBC Sports SN had an NHL triple header yesterday. Oh, okay. So 4.30 and then 7 was Sabres and uh, Penguins and then uh, Sharks Kings late. But I was on Canucks and my... Red Hot Winnipeg Jets. Tied for first in points in that? the division. We start right there, Trent, with a complete recap. <laughs> no, I won't do that to the audience. Uh, so Wade Looking Bill coming up at 10.25, 10.45. Uh, Joe O'Donnell from the Iowa Wild will catch up with the voice of the Wild, who did some NHL work. I'm not sure if you uh, uh, know that or not. Uh, he was... Oh, it's been it's been a while now. Before the tournaments, the tournaments at the well started. Uh, Joe was up at the Twin Cities doing some NHL games, uh, but he'll join us to talk about the AHL team who does play at home this weekend. If you're looking for something to do, if you haven't made it out to see hockey yet, of course the I think the Bucks lost a couple of games this week. They sent a press release out that they had a, they've got a shutdown over there or the team they were going to play. But the Iowa Wild will be playing at the well Friday. And it's uh, 100.3, the bus night over there on Friday night. And they'll be in town Friday and Saturday. Speaking of local sporting entities, Randy Wayhofer will kick things off, the, the kick the 11 o'clock hour off, uh, of course, from the Iowa Cubs. A twofold hit with Randy. Are you familiar with the new rule changes for minor league baseball? No. I'm going to run them by you. Don't look. Okay. And I want to get you just when I, when I, um, you know, fill you in as to what they are. Get your first thought that comes in your head. Good right. idea, bad idea. All right. Uh, but Randy Wayhofer will do that. I want to make sure that they are on schedule to start here uh, early May as April. They, when the schedule first came out, that's it looked as though we were going to have baseball in downtown Des Moines as soon as April. That has been postponed, as we know, until May. want to make sure everything's buttoned up for that. And then uh, going to talk some NFL draft. Uh, Matt Manasarian will join us. Uh, he does a terrific job, Trent. As, as you well know, you've got the Bible in front of you. Mm-hmm. It is the handbook. How many pages? Oh, last year's one was what uh, I think about six hundred. This one's even a little thicker. Jeez, a this year, Sports Info Solutions—they do an incredible job. And Matt is in charge of basically the NFL scouting part of it, the college scouting. Mm-hmm. But well, he's a former NFL scout. Yeah. Yes, if you're a baseball fan, though, Sports Info Solutions—you will see their stuff. 
referenced all the time mm-hmm. on broadcasts, and mm-hmm. you're going to, I think, maybe see them a little bit more with the indoctrination of Bally Sports Networks across the country as Fox Sports North and Midwest, et cetera, are off the table. You're going to see a lot of that. What Mark is Simon. That, when does that happen? This year. It, it, In time for opening day? Yes, yeah. It will be happening when you... A week from today, by the way, opening day. You flip on 668 to watch the Minnesota Twins. Right. You will see Bally Sports North will be the moniker. And I also, we were talking about the TV coverage for the Twins this year, the other day. Yeah. Uh, got official confirmation what the schedule saw, the press release from them, uh, what the team's going to be. Basically, Morno is going to be the guy. Mm-hmm. Roy Smalley is going to help out a little bit mm-hmm. and a little Latroy Hawkins. But basically. Okay, but no Jack Morris. No Jack Morris at all. He is not scheduled uh-huh. for any games. Now, will he fill in possibly? But he was not listed in any of the games scheduled. And I think I saw something. 156 of the 162 will Jeez. be on Bally Sports North. That's going to be tough to uh, say. Is that going to work? You know, eh, Bally's not a brand no, I certainly think of. No, Trent, they, um, and they, they were pay, at one point. Yes, and they didn't pay a lot for the naming rights. Is that a fact? I didn't it was, know that. It was like... Seventy million total for every one of these that they did. All the foxes, all the foxes. Yes, surprising. Yes. What, uh, by the way, we never really spoke about this yesterday. You pointed this out, um, and, and maybe this deserves more airtime. Uh, Mark Emmert. You know what? I want to talk about two Mark Emmerts, both Mark Emmerts. Okay. Did you know our Mark Emmert from the Des Moines Register? Uh, I saw a tweet from Leistikow yesterday. Mm-hmm. Mark Emmert and Chad Leistikow were doing their final Hawk Central. Mark Emmert is leaving the Des Moines Register. He is. Still but working he, for Gannett. Still with Gannett, but he's going to the Iowa City Press Citizen as the editor of the paper? Yes. Overall, I, not just the sports? Yes. I listened to Hawk Central. I listened to the podcast, in fact, this morning, getting ready. And, yeah, he is taking over in that role during both the pandemic and then with the what was happening this summer. Mm-hmm. Well, with, he lives over there, right? He does live yeah. in Iowa City. Yeah. But he was brought to the news side a whole lot more. And I think that itch uh-huh. was scratched. Okay. That was his original background was the news side as opposed to the uh-huh. sports side. And I think maybe that opened up uh, the ideas a little bit more of trying to get back into that world. He's also going to be working, I think, in some of the teaching elements with some of the younger people. So mm-hmm. uh, with Gannett across uh, both Eastern Iowa and I think here. So a couple of things that I know Mark was very excited about to do. We'll miss the sports side. Yeah, but we get will. Into the news. He does a nice job covering yep. the Hawks. So Leistikow is going to need, uh, you know, uh, the, the register, I would think, is, is Peterson, mm-hmm. Hines, cover the clones. Yep. Leistikow is now a uh, one man outfit over there uh, with Emmerich leaving. Wonder who they're going to move up. Mm. Will they, will they uh, come internally? Is, Higher internally, is there going to bring somebody back? Would it be Matthew Bain, who does a lot on the recruiting side yeah. and maybe well, has opened up? He does a nice job those. on recruiting, though. He does, and I think that's mm-hmm. an important part in this in this metro area. Mm-hmm. Cody Goodwin does a lot on wrestling. wrestling yeah, yeah, and that's a huge part of it. And the high school stuff mm-hmm. with him, too. So do you go that element? Do you tap into the old guard? Mark, like who? Mark Morehouse. Well, Morehouse is working with John Miller at well, Hawkeye Podcast. Not that he couldn't do both, right. I guess. Yes. And he lives in Illinois now, right? Didn't he move to Galena, the other side yes. to Galena? You ever been there? I'm sure you have. I have, yeah. Went on a golf trip with the guys you? years ago. Yeah. yeah. We went over, we had to, went over for, uh, oh, I don't know how long, five, ten years ago now. It's really nice. It I was kind of surprised. Yeah. Good place to go antique. Yeah, it was. That's what we did that, and then we found a... Uh, um, you know, place to eat and place to drink and enjoy our time over there. Anyways, um, so yeah, that's that uh, news kind of caught me off guard. John Bonecamp, Bone he would be my my guy. Yes, 
We love John. Yes, we do. The wise owl. Indeed he is. Um, and, of course, lost his gig when the Burlington, what was the Burlington paper called? The Hawkeye. The Hawkeye, right. Yep. <laughs> How could I not get that? Uh, any, anyway, so that Mark Emmert, scratch that off the to-do list. The other Mark Emmert uh, getting a lot of criticism, the one from the NCAA. Well, it seems like any day that ends in Y, mm-hmm. uh, he's getting criticized from somebody, and if the shoe fits, uh, and it does in this case. But apparently, Trenton, you read the piece, I think, closer than I did, and maybe we should get a guy like a John Orand on, but he's getting criticized for leaving significant, I mean, millions of dollars, millions of TV dollars on the table. No, not millions, billions, with a B, billions of dollars, (laughs) upwards of four and a half billion dollars. That's more than four and a half million dollars. Billions of dollars left on the Mm. table because... He did not open up the negotiation window for the TV. CBS has been a great partner. Yeah. We'll take a 2% increase, right. and you just have the contract. And not just have the contract for another year or two. No, till 2032. This thing was signed, what, four years back now? Jesus. And it goes through 2032. And there, no getting out of it. A TV executive said in the piece from Pete Thamel at Yahoo, and it's a really, if you mm-hmm. like sports business, it's a good piece. Upwards of $4.5 billion Jeez. left on the table, not opening up. They got just about a, it was like a 2.8% increase. Mm-hmm. He and the expert in the, in the TV world thought that they could have got a 100% increase in the TV rights. Uh. They just wanted to open it up. They didn't and leave money on the table. What is it about CBS, the old SEC where they, it was well below market <laughs> right. value. I don't know. Is it Sean McManus? Is that the guy that... I, I don't know, Trevor, I think but that's he CBS. can't negotiate some, so his way of a wet paper bag. That's for sure. No, the, the guy's great. I mean, he got the SEC for super cheap. Mm-hmm. He's got NCAA basketball mm-hmm. for super cheap. That guy, he's got things figured out. Now, the NFL... They took him over the coals a little bit. Indeed. Uh, and Tony Romo took him over the coals, and <laughs> right. now Jim Nance is up next. And I, I don't think that contract uh, has been signed yet, or those negotiations are over yet. And there will come a time that he is going to get paid for all the stuff that he does. I don't particularly think he's uh, like he's, he's good, don't get me wrong. I think him and Romo are a great team. I don't necessarily enjoy his work on the, uh, on the tournament. Golf, he's... The Masters, he's great. Yeah, I mean, that's what he's cut out for. I hate the way he has to kiss. It's no longer Hootie, right? But right. boy, oh boy, he, he sucked up to him. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. All right, Trent, let's do Iowa State women last night. And uh, again, I watched, uh, oh, probably most of the fourth quarter. And by the way, the final, I don't know, two and a half minutes of that basketball, how, gained, how long did that take? Had to be 15 minutes, right? Oh, my gosh. Unbelievable with the timeouts and advancing the ball and looking at the um, uh, going to the monitor time after time after time. Um, look, there there was clearly Ashley Jones got clobbered mm-hmm. under the basket uh, in the final, what was it, 3.9 seconds or 4.1. They might have gone back, and I think they did put some extra time uh, on the clock. And I understand why Cyclone fans are a little apoplectic, but look, at the same time, I mean, 24 turnovers. 24 turnovers. 24 turnovers. You have a lead. You sat on the ball. Mm-hmm. Weren't aggressive in the final minutes of the game. Yeah. And a game where you only missed one free throw. You're 14 to 15 from the line. You hit 16 three-pointers. Mm-hmm. You have that kind of lead. And the 24 turnovers that you talked about on top of it. Yeah, it sucks that you didn't get the calls late in the game. Right. And it was bad officiating. There's there's it no was. two ways about it. But they shot, Iowa State shot 30 free throws. A&M only shot 12. And you can, well, Jones was clearly hacked. You can also make the case 
that uh, what's the the star player for the gal that did the game winner? I don't number five. Um, Nixon. Nixon. Mm-hmm. She 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 was kind of abused a couple of times in her own right, and they swallowed whistles. But look. Um, Felt like the, you just you felt bad for him, right? Yes. The way that it ended, yeah. and so close, and to have seemingly your ticket punched uh, to to the Sweet Sixteen. Todd Bromelkamp gets on Twitter, gives them the kiss of death that they're home free. Oh no! And and, and that one came back to bite, but. Um, and, and apparently this whole team's coming back next year. Yeah, the freshman class is really, really talented. They'll uh, get Maggie McGraw back, who mm-hmm. was at Indianola, transferred to Southeast Polk. She's been banged up this season. But, yeah, the freshman class, three of them really, really good there. Of course, the jo- both Jones will be back, and uh, starting with Ash, who will be back for her senior season. That's going to be a preseason top 15 team. That's going mm-hmm. to be a, a team that I, I think they've been the only team in the Big 12 that's been able to get Baylor any kind of punch. Yeah. And they got them again this year, did they not? Yeah, they did. And it feels like the In building, Waco, I yeah, think. the building blocks are there for them to take that next step. We we talked about this yesterday when we were talking about Iowa. You get the player, all right. Yep. They have Clayton Clark. Yep. You got Ashley Jones. Mm-hmm. Can you get that that next one? Mm-hmm. It feels like there's a couple of those pieces that are really close for Iowa State, but maybe just one more. Mm-hmm. You know, one more of those kind of players for them to push them over the hump and the consistency that comes along with it. So you're not playing a two seed in the round of 32. So you wait till the lead eight before you're seeing a team like that. That's kind of that next step for I think both of those programs going forward. Well, it was uh, clearly looked the way it ended. Just just real quick, uh, you you talked about uh, Ashley Jones' father at some point mm-hmm. this season. Trent, it was after the Iowa State game when that, he was ejected. When he was ejected before right. the game even started. And, and apparently, this is his act every single game. Uh, this has been his act for two decades. Well, is that right. For, I've heard about it for two decades. I hope he recorded the game and 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 will watch it at some point and see himself the way ESPN showed him. And, and maybe, I mean, it was is that a reality slap in the face to him? It's not. It really isn't. No, huh? it won't be because this has been his character for this huh. long, and nothing is going to change. I feel bad for her. Oh yeah, for 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 both the girls who right. are is, yeah, sister in, too. Incredible yeah. young ladies mm-hmm. and everybody that I've talked to about them that know them say nothing but glowing things. They said they are incredible young women. Their dad though, oh, he has problems. And right. he is and this is not just he's it's his girls. No, he'll coach low-level basketball and his girls not involved and he'll be ejected. He can never get past. I have friends that officiate in Eastern Iowa, and they say, if there is a bad call, there's a bad call in every game. Every sport. But you can't, he cannot get over it. He can't let it go. And that, he will ride officials nonstop. He will ride coaching staffs nonstop. Hmm. There's a reason that you also see a lot of times Mr. Jones is not with the other parents. There's a reason for that, (laughs) too. And there's a reason for that. Going back to the days when the girls were at City High, and there were some gyms he was not allowed to be in. He yeah. couldn't go watch his girls play Jesus. because this is his personality. This is the kind of person he is. And it sucks for those girls who are incredible. It sucks for Ashley, who's an All-American, to have to deal with this. Mm-hmm. But it's also the reality. That's who he is. And he could watch that tape, and he said, I'm right. And nothing mm. will change. You can watch that thing on the loop until next year's basketball season. It's not going to change with him. Wow. You'd think that he would be embarrassed at some point. And, I mean, I don't know. Was ESPN... Showing him the entire game, seemingly the entire fourth quarter. Right, right. I, I had no idea who this guy was at first, and then it dawned on me mm-hmm. our conversation, and then I went to Twitter, and um, Twitter is reacting as you would think Twitter would react. All right, so let let's move on. Let's go to minor league baseball. I want to run these rule changes by you. Yeah. Give a yay or a nay. Some of them are eh, big deal. Okay, uh, but there's one in particular that I'm actually 
I'm anxious to hear your take on it. See if two baseball guys agree on this one. Um, so let's start. So with this is for the miners. This, yeah, and and you know how this works, right? It's yes. they. they it's a trial It's like the McRib comes to Des Moines, and if it catches on in Des Moines, it goes nationwide, uh-huh. which it did. Um, you, you, yeah, absolutely. It's kind of the lab, if you will. They they uh, t- test these out, and then if it seems to be a fit, they bring it to the major league level after negotiations with the uh, Players Association. So in AAA, the only rule change is the size of the base. From 15 inches to 18 inches, but apparently it's made up of something different, where in... Oh, inclement weather. They're still playing, but it's not, the, the surface isn't going to be as slippery. So that one's kind of a big deal. But here's the one for me that I'm excited about, and I want to get your take on it, and I kind of hope that this is what we see. This is going to be um, in place in double-A baseball right starting this year. All right. Each player, each infielder, must have his cleats on the infield dirt. Okay. So, meaning, second baseman can't be the rover in right field. Mm-hmm. The shortstop can't be out between left field and center field. Nothing like that. So, they're trying to, they're trying to make, bring more offense to the game. You, there may come a point where two infielders have to be on the first base side of second base. Two infielders have to be on the third base side of second base. So they're trying to take the shift out of baseball. And they want they don't want the infielders being positioned in the outfield. Mm-hmm. First glance, in, out. All right. It feels on the surface like it is a pretty big step forward. And I think ultimately we all had a feeling that something like this was going to happen, right? You mm-hmm. you look at the way that shifting has changed and yeah, it felt like it was going to go this way. That's my initial reaction. Boy, that's a lot. But if you're going to do it, don't get kind of pregnant. You're going to get pregnant, mm-hmm. right? And, and if you're going to do this, do it that way. Because I, I thought that the cleat's actually on the dirt. Yep. What does that mean in Tampa? Well, they don't have dirt all the way across the infield. Well, they have that big line. So, yeah. I mean... Do you have to make sure that the line well, is that uniform across baseball? If they bring it to the major league level, yes. You have to make every one uh-huh. of the infields exactly the same. So right. you're going to have to do that. So that's, I don't think, a huge deal by any means, but it's mm-hmm. something at the very least. On the surface, I like it. It's more offense. Yes. I, I think it's great. I really do. And more offense, not just more home runs. And unfortunately, no, putting guys on. Yes. So then they can clear the bases when you because of the shift, that is also, I think, translated into what we've seen and where everybody, it's all about launch angle. Mm-hmm. That's, that's it. Mm-hmm. Because if you hit it on the ground, right. you're out. Probably most cases, yeah. You're out. Uh-huh. And even if you find a gap, you might be out too. This opens up the offense more, and I think with it, takes away from every time being either a strikeout or a home run. Where putting the ball in play actually can work again. Putting the ball in play now means you're out because they have you figured out and they know what's going to happen. This, I like it. I do too. I like it. I hope hope it is successful in double A and I don't know what that means. It'll instantly go over the 2022 season or not. The others, with one exception, are essentially uh, speed of play, limiting pickoff attempts, those type of things, Mm -hmm. pitch clocks. But one more, and this is in lower A ball, they are going to experiment uh, with the electronic strike zone. They are. They are. Okay. Now, I think it's still a long way away from being in the majors. I do. Um, 
I'm 63 years old. In my lifetime, will I see um, a home plate umpire be replaced by an electronic, by StatCast or the Strike K-Zone? I say no, you won't. I don't think I will either. And you know what, Trent? I get pissed off during the season, and I know I will a lot. Yes, you will. But there's something to be said for the guys in blue, right? Don't you think? Well, and I'll also show you then something that you have the box on TV, Mm -hmm. and then there's ones that are a little more precise online, and I'll show you it actually was a strike, according to this one. And, And that's frustrating, too, I think, from the fan component, because you look at it, oh, they got that one completely wrong, and then you look... Something that measures it better? Uh-huh. Now they actually got that one right. Right. What Except about- for Angel Hernandez, who's wrong every time. <laughs> yes. Right. What about this? Tennis. I know you're not a tennis guy at all, but I'm sure you've seen where you're watching a tennis match and they have the electronic The version. lines, yeah. 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 But you have a chair umpire that makes the call, mm-hmm. in or out, mm-hmm. and then you're allowed a certain amount of... Uh, challenges, if you will. I think they actually are. They're, they're called challenges over the course of a set or a match, whatever it is. Something like that, similar in baseball. Very quick, snap of a finger, mm-hmm. you're going to go to the... Mm-hmm. You don't, the right, you're not going under the hood. Right, the umpire doesn't have to go there. It is just gonna, yeah. He's going to click in his ear. Nope, actually it was a strike. Right. You know, make the strike call or a ball, and you move on. And mm-hmm. you get whatever the number is. Two an inning, uh, ten a game, whatever it turns out to be. I think that's what you're going to see. Yeah. I think that's the one that probably makes the most sense. Still going to have that home plate umpire, but X amount of times you can challenge, and it's going to happen with the computer, and it's going to happen in the snap of a finger. I like it. I I, I could buy into that. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. That might that, that may happen. But I want I want an umpire behind home plate. You know, I just do. Yeah, and get rid of the shift. And get rid of the shift, yes. right. And AA's going to try and do that. They're experimenting starting this year. And yes, Pick up the pace. Uh-huh. I love the pitch clock. It has been now in minor league baseball for how long? It's been a while. Yeah. Seven, eight years mm-hmm. that we've seen it down with the I-Cubs. You, the first time, it is very jarring. And then after that, you don't notice it's it. It's 20 now. They're experimenting at one of the A-ball levels, actually reducing to 15. Oh, really? So they're thinking uh, they're, they're tweaking it even more so. Uh, anyways, we will get into that with Randy Wayhofer and find out if they're on schedule to indeed start. Uh, in the month of May, uh, when he joins us at 11.05, we're going to do some NFL draft talk uh, in the final uh, segment of the program as we take you until noon. How did you do wagering yesterday? No, I got clubbed again. That's nope. 0 for 2. Well, I had uh, the money line with AM last night, so hit that one. But, yeah, again, the CBI. Remind me next March. <laughs> don't bet on Don't it. bet on the CBI. It's not going well. The profits I made at the NCAA tournament are going right down the drain betting on the stupid CBI. Uh, just before we go to break, another longtime voice. If you're old and if you've watched sports for decades, as I'm assuming most of you have, uh, Dick Stockton, after 55 years uh, retiring, married to Leslie Visser. I, never, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, married to Leslie Visser. I believe they still are. I mean, I guess I don't know for sure, mm-hmm. but I know they were. Um, Stockton called... Apparently his most famous call, uh, and I, I remember it, but I certainly would have thought he would have had more than this, uh, Carlton Fisk's home run in the 12th inning. Oh, really? Yeah, for the Red Sox back in 1975 uh-huh. uh, to beat the Cincinnati Reds. But uh, Dick Stockton called NFL, called Major League Baseball, did some NBA, but I remember him as a um, obviously an, an NFL broadcaster and uh, in Major League Baseball. But 55 years in the business, and was for a long time anyways, 
Is he still married to Leslie Visser? Oh, let's see here. Personal life. Because for me, it is the NBA. That's how you I remember, remember him, him in the yeah. NBA. In the 80s, he was kind of the, mm-hmm. the first broadcaster. Oh, no, Trent. He was a goat. He was, he was a very high in their pecking order. Him and uh, O'Brien, who is... Uh, oh, the guy... Uh, yes. Yeah, 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 With the big my, old... Yes, he does... Um, mustache. Pat, Pat O'Brien. Pat O'Brien. Yes, Thank you. Pat O'Brien. Right. Got himself in some trouble a little later with some voicemails that he left. But oh, did he? Yeah, oh, that's oh, that. that was the NBA indoctrination for me yeah. and CBS back in the eighties. Yeah. That's how I remember Dick Stockton. And then here lately, doing a lot of Bears games. Yeah, a whole well, lot if, of Bears if games. your team's two and thirteen and it's week sixteen, you're going to get Dick Stockton. Uh, he divorced Leslie Visser and him uh, back in 2010. Remarried four years later to Jamie Drinkwater. Well, I wasn't familiar with that, but I knew he was at one time married to Leslie Viss. You had that. I'm going to give myself a half a point. All right, uh, Wade Lookingbill is going to give us an update on what he, uh, how he uh, will remember the 2020-21 Iowa basketball season and look ahead to next year. A lot of Twitter refuting the C.J. Fredrickson uh, rumor. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's all it is. Yeah, I I think so as well. This is Matt Jones throwing stuff against the wall. As I told you on Tuesday. Yeah. This is Matt Jones throwing stuff against the wall. He is, um, well, we'll see. That, uh, he, is, he is also known for that in the, in the circles. Yeah, that's what you said. I, I didn't realize yeah. that, that that was that, that's kind of his... Uh, Reminds uh, me of somebody that we uh, both worked with. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, federal inmate R2Y1H3, Miller and Condon. It's 1027 on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106. Your host on... Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and now Just past 10.30 on a Thursday. Welcome back and talk some hockey with Joe O'Donnell. Likewise, but baseball as we focus on the local minor league teams with Randy Wayhofer to kick off our number two. Uh, as promised, Wade Looking Bill joins the program. We'd hope to be previewing Iowa USC, but that wasn't in the cards uh, as the uh, Hawks eliminated in the round of 32. Wade, as always, we appreciate you coming on. Um, just one of those Actual games. Basketball. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. How about that? How about I mean, that? Yeah. Do, you, do you watch much of it, Wade, during the I season? I told you know the besides what I googled or ESPN.com for Oregon. The only thing I knew about them is they got that. Well, they got that kid from Omaha that Iowa offered late. Luke Luke War, I think his name was. I'd forgotten. I forgot about him. But then. They have that goofy court with all the trees on it. Yeah. You know, that's hard to watch. It is. You can't, you can't, it's it's like an optical illusion. You can't watch it. So I did not know anything about them. I just don't watch those games. Yeah. They start so late. And yeah. I'm with you. So, I mean, next year, obviously, C.J. Frederick has been rumored to, I mean, it's, he shot that down, the, the Kentucky thing. But point being on Frederick, Wade, he might be the only starter, considering that, you know, Connor McCaffrey's staring at a yeah. couple of surgeries. When the Hawks resume play in November, C.J. Frederick might be the only starter returning from that from this year's team. Yeah. So this is my guess, and I don't know anything, but um I'm guessing that Connor's done with basketball. I'm, I, his thought all along, I think, is if 
is 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 he's a better prospect in baseball. Mm-hmm. And if he needs if, if if he wants to try to be the best possible baseball player he can be, whatever that means, he just can't do both. You know, it just it it just he's not Bo Jackson or Deion Sanders, mm-hmm. and no one is. So right. I, I I'm guessing that he's done with that. He may be done with basketball. Concentrate on baseball. I don't think CJ's going to leave. I, I saw that rumor too to Kentucky, and I, I just don't see that happening. Um, yeah, and if that does happen, then CJ's the only one back, and he's got to get healthy. You know, he, yeah. he hasn't been healthy really for a year and a half now. It's just off and on, and I, I, I hope that that doesn't follow him the rest of his career. And I don't think Calipari watched the matchup with Oregon and said, you know what, so we, gotta we, have him. we need to get this guy. This, this is going to turn us back around. Mm. That well, seems like a stretch, when too. When he was healthy, when he was healthy, you can shoot he was it. talking about him being being the second-best player. Yeah, Christmas, Minnesota, you agree. Yep. He was better than than, than Wieskamp mm-hmm. was. And when he's healthy, he just does not miss, and he can guard, and he's kind of tough, and he can handle it. I mean, so if they can get him back, I think – Keegan Murray's just going to keep getting better and better, and, and and he was not great Monday. He just struggled, and you know it, it happens. They just Iowa picked a, a, a bad day to be average, and that's what they were. Speaking of Connor McCaffrey, he's also going to turn twenty three in July. Is he really time to play baseball? Yeah, it's yep. heading heading that direction. Well, before we get deeper into the future, I'll look at the guys that are hanging it up, and we'll see Jordan Bohannon. I mean, he certainly can come back. I, I, we all understand, Luca be it the NBA or overseas, he's going to go on and make some money playing yep. basketball. But I want to get your perspective as a former Hawkeye, somebody that we know, Wade, in fact, we, we saw it not too long ago. You put the jersey back on and it still fit, <laughs> but it means something to you, Wade, to have that IOWA across your yeah, chest. For and sure. for you're, sure. you're an Iowan, you grew up like I did. That's important. Where Joe Borhan, how his legacy is for you as a former Hawkeye? Wow. You know, I I, I think he's one of the best Hawkeyes of this, you know, last 25 years. I mean, you're talking about, you know, a, a kid that battled through injuries that, that really made some of the bigger, more memorable shots in the history of Iowa basketball, you know, and just the way he persevered and just, he, he got a lot out of what he had. I mean, you're, you're talking about, I, I think he finished top 10 scoring, I think, um, all time assist leader, you know, one of the top three point shooters in the history of the big 10. I mean, those are numbers that, you know, all of those things aside, you talk about, you know, defense and this and that, but you talk about the numbers he's put up, put up offensively are unbelievable. I, I think he's one of the best guards, you know, ever to play at Iowa from, from, from a pure number standpoint. Absolutely. And yet he'll be remembered, you know, for a lot, for, by a lot of people for a shot he didn't make. And if I do this for another 50 years, and Condon just fell off his chair, and I promise I won't. But <laughs> um, remember for missing the free throw? Oh, with the, with, with with Chris, the free throw, for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he, yeah, for sure. I was, I was trying to, yeah, the, the, with the free throw. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable yeah. what he did there. And yeah, I mean, just, you know, what 21-year-old kids going right. to that? Pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Cool. So is Wieskamp an NBA player in your mind? You know, again, I'm just guessing. But I, I think he's going to go to um, – the game has just changed so much, you know. And if you watch the NBA, I was, who was oh, they had a doubleheader last night with the Celtics and were playing uh, the Bucks and Utah and played. Um, oh, I think it was the Nets. It was the Nets, yeah. But it's just forty percent of the shots are from three, mm-hmm. and it is such a the game has just changed so much. So 
the thing with Joe Wieskamp is if, if he wants to be a pro, you know, he's not going to grow four inches this next year. He's not going to become that much stronger or, or that much better of a defender. Could he come back and, and, and lead the Big Ten in scoring? Well, sure, but that's not going to help him with his NBA draft stock. So if I had to guess, I think he's going to go. I, I think it's something where, you know, he's six, six and three quarters and he's athletic and, you know, he's, he's Duncan Robinson, probably a better athlete than, than, than Duncan Robinson, Doug McDermott. And you can play a, a long time in the NBA with those guys with, with that type of game. Now, that being said, he could come back next year and still have 12 to 14 years to make money playing basketball, but, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I, I hope I hope he does, but my gut tells me he will he will not. Yeah, guys that shoot six foot seven and shoot forty six percent from three in today's NBA, it feels like they have a spot. He's gonna have to tighten up the handle. You know, to be a rotational player even sure. he's gotta be better yep. at those kind of things, but yep. that's what can happen. That's how you develop and, and we see that. I think he is a starter piece though of what they're looking at at that next level. As we look at the next level for Iowa basketball, it does feel like that the the team is changing. The way that Fran is recruited, bringing in the kind of athlete that they have. You look at the backcourt with Aaron Euless on one side, Tony Perkins coming in, the length of Patrick McCaffrey on the perimeter, the Murray Twins. It's going to be a lot different looking team. Say Wieskamp isn't back, say Frederick is there, but when you look at the construction of next year's roster, are they good enough to at least fight to be in the top half of the Big Ten, or is it going to be growing pains as they kind of adjust the roster on the fly? I think so. I think so. You know, it's it's Jack Nunji. You know what's going to happen with him health wise yeah. because they have to have they have to have some size in there. You know, I think that's where they really got hurt this year was was on the on the, on the rebounding side. You know, with Joe can rebound Luca, but then everybody else was just kind of surviving. But I, I think you're right though. I think you saw in that Oregon game, Patrick McCaffrey played well, got got on the break. Uh, Tony Perkins came in and, and he had no fear. Took the ball to the basket, knocked down that three. Um, so I, I think there is some, some, a bright spot for next year with those young kids. They just got to keep building. I, I think they got to find like a grad transfer, you know, a power forward type of guy that's going to rebound. Um, they just they're, they're they're probably a couple pieces away. But again, I think you know, ten and ten next year in the Big Ten is very doable. Hmm. What do you expect from a Gundelay next year, and what can he do in the off season? And how, I guess how important is this this off season for his development? And what do you think will be the thing that they focus on prior to next November? Yeah, it was really strange. Whenever he came in a game, he just looked out of shape, and I, I, I know it was something where you know he he couldn't get over early. But boy, I, I thought four or five months he he, he would have been in a little better shape than he was when he came in but you know he came in against who was the center he was banging with oh it was, um hunter dickinson or, or a, a, a colburn too i think mm-hmm. and you know he's a body and i think he's going to get minutes next year now he's got he's got to get serious these next five or six months and get in better shape and just you know but that left hand is is always kind of funky but i like him he's a big body you know he turned down rutgers and had some other you know, high major types of offers, and he's a big body. I I, I like his future, but got to get in shape. One more on the future and the incoming freshman next year. That's Peyton Sanford from your neck of the woods over there in Waukee. I know you do work yeah. for Media Cam. You've got to see him a lot throughout the years. Six foot seven, six foot eight, 
can shoot it incredibly well from the outside. His impact, not just next year, but also looking forward how he fits in the Hawkeye program. I think he's going to be a great fit. You know, I, I, I know Peyton, I know his family, and, you know, he's six eight, can handle it. You know, I, I think he's Joe Wieskamp, probably not mm. as great of, 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 of an athlete as Joe, mm-hmm. but I think he's a better rebounder. I think he's a, you know, a better passer. I think he's got a better handle right now than Joe. He's got some work to do, kind of like everybody does. You know, he's, he's almost in that in-between. He's not a three, not a four, not a two, not a three, but six, eight kids that can shoot it really well. And he, he, he can guard, he can rebound. I think he's going to be a great fit with the way the system is, is going and the way the game of basketball is evolving. Uh, Wade looking, Bill. Wade, uh, listen, appreciate uh, what you do for us every basketball season. We really do. We're grateful. Uh, we'll talk to you in November, if not before. Enjoy the summer. And yeah, come. We... Call me in July, and we'll break down the NL Central. Okay, I'm in. Good stuff, Wade. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Appreciate yeah, it. Thanks. See you guys. Good Peace to man. talk Thanks, to you. Man. All right. Wade Looking, Bill, former Hawk. Uh, good guy. All-around good guy, and, and uh, certainly a big benefit to our show. So I'm on Twitter, and I'm watching um, Michael Parsons. It's Penn State's uh, pro day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you should see this, dude. Well, what's he run, like a 4340? 4-3-9-40. At his size. My Remember, God. he was going to be returning kicks, they said, before the season. Good luck. Yeah. You, I think there would be some business decisions made if he's yeah. coming at you. Uh, Joe O'Donnell's coming at uh, you next. We'll talk hockey with the voice of the wild, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX and Owen 107. Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. That's where you can hear Iowa Wild Hockey this weekend, a couple of games. We encourage you to go see them in person. Uh, but if you can't, you can listen to our next guest, Joe O'Donnell, on the call. Uh, Grand Rapids in town. Joe O'Donnell, good to speak with you. Joe, how are you? Kenny, what's going on, buddy? Trent, always a pleasure. Good to talk to you, my friend. Well, uh, look at the team... Playing well, Jerry Mayhew back with him. What's his story here? Let's start with him because he's such a he's you know the 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 term in baseball is a quadruple A player, right? He's too good for triple A, but can't quite get a foothold in the show. Is that kind of Mayhew's story? I mean, he tears it up when he's down here, but for whatever reason, uh, has struggled to find a place in the NHL, and I think he's an NHL player. Yeah, it's it's something that I haven't really been able to uh, to put my finger on. I don't know. Uh, I know Jerry very well. Obviously, we we do talk a lot, but I haven't ever said to him like, "What's the deal up there?" You know, I mean, he's got. Uh, I think I did the math yesterday: fifty three goals in his last sixty some games at the AHL level. I mean, that's unheard of. Yeah. And um, when he goes up there, now granted, he only got four games with Minnesota. He's only played seventeen in his career. He has scored a couple of times. He does have a, a few assists, but he's not nearly the impact player up there. And look, that's most guys don't go up and and immediately dominate in the NHL. So is it ice time? Is it his role? Uh, does he feel the pressure of having to score up there? I mean, there's probably a number of things to go into it. Uh, I just really haven't been able to put my finger on. But I will say this: when I watch Minnesota play and Jerry Mayhew's in the lineup, he doesn't look like the type of player that we see here in Iowa, which is give me the darn puck and get out of my way. Um, he has sort of that alpha male approach here, the confidence with the puck. And Tim Army, Iowa's head coach, told me the other day, every time he goes over the boards in an Iowa sweater, Tim Army expects him to score. 
there's not a lot of guys that mm-hmm. coaches feel that way about. Um, and so when he's here, for whatever reason, he's just he's he's the he's the top of the class as far as that goal scoring threat goes. And then in Minnesota and the NHL level, just really hasn't translated for him quite yet. Joe, uh, we've seen the team, the Iowa Wild, hit the skids here over the last month. It coincides with the long road trip that you guys had with state wrestling and girls and boys basketball at Wells Fargo Arena. How big of a part or reason do you think that is for the skid? And uh, how much? what else are some of the reasons that this team has struggled over the last month? Well, if you look at the goaltending numbers, Trent, they they haven't been pretty. Um, you know, there's no way to sugarcoat it. Uh, since Derek Barabo got hurt, which was just prior to uh, the games in Rockford two weeks ago. Uh, Hunter Jones has played every game since, and his goals against is right around you know five and a half or six. Um, that's not good enough. Hunter Jones would be the first to tell you. Um, you know, there's there's no need to to panic or push him under the bus or anything. But it's just it has the numbers haven't been good enough. So he's a second round draft pick. He needs time. He's going to learn the pro game. He's going to get more confidence as he gets more comfortable. Uh, but that's certainly been a big part of the recent struggles is that if you have to score five to win, you don't give yourself a chance much uh, many nights. So um, that's got to improve. Uh, on top of that, you know, I just think it's been a little bit of a revolving door personnel-wise. Every team's going through it this year. Mm-hmm. you got guys coming in and out of your lineup from the NHL taxi squad. You've got COVID protocols to kind of jump around. And then, you know, the injury bug as well. So um, the lineup hasn't been as deep as years past. The goaltending hasn't been as good, and that's probably why the Wild are a few games below 500. Now, with that said, um, Derek Barabo is healthy now. Granted, he's up with Minnesota at the moment, but um, my understanding is he could come back to Iowa and play this weekend. Uh, Luke Johnson is down from the NHL. He had 18 goals last year for Iowa. Set to make his season debut tomorrow. Connor Dewar's back from the NHL. Uh, Mayhew's in the lineup. We talked about him. Matt Barkowski's back. So this is maybe the deepest the Wild have looked, and Brandon Duhame's getting close to returning from injury. Uh, he's a second-year player that, that's got some good jam to his game. So there's uh, the, the reinforcements are, are getting there, uh, whether they're coming from Minnesota or getting healthy. And I expect the Wild to play uh, some very competitive games this weekend against Detroit's farm team and, and the Grand Rapids Griffins, and they should be good games. Well, certainly the, the, the parent club is playing very well. What did they run it to yesterday? Ten in a row at home, I, I think, the yeah. the current streak that they're on. How about that 430 puck drop? Works for me, Joe O'Donnell. <laughs> Trent and I were just talking about that before I came on. He said he had his kid watching. Yeah. And I said, well, listen, if it's got to be 430 hockey to get Trent on board, I'm down with it. Let's call Gary Bettman, and we'll get a few games a week that way. Uh, they had a COVID uh, creep uh, pop up on him, uh, Parise, yeah. now on the COVID list. I mean, you just never know, right? Uh, it seems like his career might be coming to an end. Do you get that sense as well? Well, if you believe the reports last year, he was all but traded yeah, to the New York Islanders. Right. For some reason, the deal fell through. Um, so I, I don't, you know, listen, Zach Parisi is very well respected up there for a lot of reasons. Yeah. He's a pro. Um, all those games he's played, the, the big minutes he's played, whether it's New Jersey or Minnesota, he helped put the Wild franchise back mm-hmm. on the map when him and Suter signed, what was it, eight years ago or whatever, those mega deals. Um, the production hasn't been there. He's been healthy scratch this year, which is obviously something he's never experienced uh, since maybe his first year pro. So uh, I'm sure there's some tough pills to swallow for Zach Carisi, but he continues to bring his energy and work ethic every night and be a good leader in that locker room. If, if he, as long as he continues to do those, those things, 
Um, I'm sure he'll, at some point he'll get back on track offensively. Kaprizov is a stud. Isn't but he something? <laughs> this, uh, this team is a lot better, I know, than Ken anticipated. Yep. You said maybe fringes of the playoffs. They appear to be even better than yeah, that. Yeah, they are. Outside yeah. of Kaprizov, though, what else has been it about this team that has been better than anticipated? Well, it's a great point. I was looking at the standings this morning, and I was somewhat stunned to see just how much gap they've got now between themselves and the non-playoff field. They mm-hmm. actually have a little wiggle room, which in today's NHL uh, isn't easy. Um, so it, it, they put themselves in a great spot with you know twenty some games to go. I think that the biggest thing is not only is Kaprizov giving them another dimension, but Kevin Fiala has continued to uh, make himself a, a legit scorer on a nightly basis. And then they've gotten the contributions from the role players. Nico Sturm is playing great hockey, and he's filled just the perfect role for them on that fourth line. Um, they they went out and, and made some moves, Bill Guerin did, that what I would consider would be low-risk, high-reward, right? They got Nick Bukestad, they got Nick Benino, guys that needed a change of scenery or were coming off injury, didn't cost them a lot, uh, gave them a fresh start, and those guys are buying in. And I think that Dean Evison's the type of coach where he's fair, he's honest, but he demands a lot. And they seem to be a group right now that when I watch them play, they've been able to grind out some ugly wins. But during this stretch where they're playing really well, they're scoring some goals, they're having fun, they seem to be playing for each other. And when you get good goaltending and a group that's bought in and you can win a bunch of ways, whether it's high scoring and having fun and winning a game 5-2 or all smiles, or in the case of yesterday, it's 2-1, you don't have your best game, the coach is angry afterwards, but you got the two points, that's a good hockey team. Um, so, yeah, better than probably a lot of us expected. They're more consistent than we probably gave them credit for at the start of the year. Mm-hmm. But I think it's because they, they're all bought in right now. They're playing their system. Uh, they're getting good goaltending. And even though the specialty teams haven't been top ten in the league, they're finding ways to win. And, and that's the mark of a good team. No doubt, boy, Stern got, Stern got a gift yesterday, did he not, with the game winner? Oh. Ryan Miller's a really good, I mean, one of the best, maybe the best American goaltender to ever play, certainly on that very short list. Um, yeah, him and Jonathan Quick, probably. Yeah, Quick. Top of the yeah. last 20 years. For sure, but uh, he was gifted one lesser. So let's, let's finish up with a big story in hockey from yesterday. Um, and yeah. uh, Tim Peel uh, being fired for an open mic incident um, two nights ago, I think it was a Nashville game, Nashville the and the Wings, if memory serves. Uh, an official has been around an incredibly long time. His career was he was retiring in the month of April. And I, but my takeaway from this, Joe, is is some players think it's egregious that he was fired. Some think it's about time. Um, officials talk to players all the time. You know that as well as anybody. I'm sure you can hear it with nobody in the stands. It happens. Um, but wagering is a big part of it now, and, and it's a bad look. Um I guess it's probably the bottom line, but man, oh man, he played a steep price. Yeah, I think, you know, he was talking to the other official, it seems, on that mic. Um, you know, and the two refs have to work side by side, right? So there's a lot that goes into this. But I think the one thing you're you're hearing from the general pundits around the hockey world is, well, we've been wanting this for years where the officials stop, you know, managing the game and just call it as mm-hmm. they see it. And part of me is like, well, if for however many years it's been going on like this, aren't we sort of used to it? Like you expect, okay, one team's got five power plays. The other has one. It's a third period. It's a two goal game. There's a good chance somebody's going to get a borderline call. Like that's, we just know as hockey fans, that's how it works. So 
this whole cry into like, oh, this is this is the perfect time to change it. Well, like it's been going on, so I, I don't know that we need to change it. I mean, I don't agree with managing the game or refing it a certain way based on who's winning, who's losing, which building you're in. Uh, but that's sort of been the way it's gone with hockey, and and I would argue that it's that way in all sports. I mean. How many times do you see a missed uh, pass interference call and then there's a phantom hold on the next play? Like Those things happen all the time, I feel like, in sports, and uh, and we should be used to it as fans. No so, doubt. The other thing I'd add to this, Kenny, Real quick, Joe. is could, yeah, could you imagine if this happened in another sport, like uh, a much more <laughs> visible setting? I mean, people would be going crazy yeah. right now. Yeah, fair point. Uh, Wild in town Friday night, Saturday night before they hit the road again. Grand Rapids Griffins puck drops at 7 o'clock tomorrow. 6 o'clock on Saturday, $2 beer night presented by 100.3 The Bus tomorrow until the conclusion of the first period. Joe, thank you. We will uh, talk to you in the weeks ahead. Appreciate it, Joe O'Donnell. Thanks as always, guys. See ya. Good to talk to you. Iowa Wild in town Friday, Saturday. Hour 2 coming up next, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM.